0: Gliding shapes that violate every law of nature. It's the Horror Foria podcast. How can I help you? John Richards and Andy Gillie are talking everything and anything horror movies. Welcome
1: to the Horror Foria podcast. It is Friday, April tenth of twenty twenty. Broadcasting from our what's in the bag studios from Wausau, wisconsin i'm john richards and normally we have andy gilly here but he had a family emergency today but a guy that we've had on the show before and stepping up Thank you so much. Andy Gaddis, better known as Randy Gandy G. Landy from Straight Chillin' Podcast.
0: Hey, man, how's it going? I'm happy to be a uh, stand-in Andy here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, we'll so, call you Andy, even though you go by Randy on the show, so we'll call you Andy today. Um, so, congratulations. You are out in uh, Astoria, Oregon in Goonieland country, right? That's right. The Goondocks are here. The Goondocks. How do you well, like the Pacific nor- Northwest? I actually love it um,
0: I've uh, never made it up this way Until we moved here And uh, I can tell you man It, it pretty much um, Pretty much dominated my brain As soon as I got here I've been in love with it Just the look of it And how how gorgeous everything is really That's really what
1: it is Well the west side of the state Is very progressive
0: Yeah so <laughs> Hey have you been to Portland yet? Uh, just once Just for an afternoon uh, I have some friends out there Um uh- yeah, it lives up to a lot of its reputation,
1: <laughs> good and bad. Uh, if you, yeah, if you go, if you go there, go to Voodoo Voodoo Donuts. I actually, uh, when you're heading out there, uh, they've got some of the craziest names for donuts out there. I won't say it just because we don't curse that much on here.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I'll try and bite my own tongue on that regard. But yeah, I've uh, I've heard a lot about Voodoo, but I haven't made it out yet. It's on the list. Yeah, for-
1: for sure. And uh, hey, don't forget to check out the Straight Chilling Podcast, uh, com, or wherever you get your uh, your podcasts at. Now, you guys are just expanding this thing. I, I do want to talk a little bit about your guys' uh, Patreon because it, you, you've kind of moved things around. You have the $1 level, the $5 level, the $10 level, and the 15 Do you want to go into that just a little bit?
0: Sure, I'm gonna have to pull it up because my memory sucks. <laughs> but yeah, we uh we've been doing Patreon for a little bit, and you know we got a little bit of um a little bit of a following go on there, which we're stoked about. But yeah, we recently added uh, another $10 level, which uh, comes with a bunch of mini episodes, which is for movies that you know we just don't have time to all get together and talk about um, things like that. And then uh, we have a $1 level uh, 15, which is oh man, I gotta pull this up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's you pick the flick. You guys do that uh, right. once every quarter where uh, you open up five spots where uh, the patrons actually get to pick the movies that you guys watch. Right. Yeah, that's
0: right. And uh, we've got a whole new batch that flew out the window just uh, like last week or the week before or something like that. we got a whole bunch of uh, you picks coming 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 our way soon and then another uh, batch to snatch up in a couple
1: months. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. I- yeah every time I listen it's almost like it goes within a couple of hours once you guys open it up. Yeah, it started to go within the hour so we're kind of blown away by that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Andy and I actually support you guys on the $5 level. So do that because then you actually that. get to vote on their poll pick.
0: That's right. We also do that poll pick where, you know, we pick a bunch of movies within a category and let our Patreon subscribers um Dictate what we watch for better or for worse <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah I, my favorite ones That you guys do are the ones that like each of you Hate <laughs> movies that That Randy would hate or movies that Bob Would hate you know Those, you know, just became...
0: those are those are fun but I, I, Honestly like people have Not picked a movie that I actually hate yet I think that um, If they really want to get under my skin we could do a uh, An underworld movie Or something but so far <laughs> I've uh, <laughs>
1: How about you go revisit Brightburn or something? Oh, revisit? First visit. I'm sure I'll hate it, though. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, here's some horror movie news real quick. Uh, Human centipede actor Dieter Laser has passed away at the age of 78. You'll remember Laser as Dr. Heiter from the Human Centipede and Warden Bill Boss from the Human Centipede 3. He was a stage actor in German theater, also had parts in 65 movies throughout his career. Did you get a chance to see any of the Human Centipedes?
0: Uh, no, I, I made an intentional pivot to not do that. So that might end up on the movies I hate list.
1: <laughs> oh, we won't tell anybody if if somebody's listening to this. Do not pick Human Centipede.
0: Yeah, please uh, don't. But I'm sure you will. It'll be a great cast. So don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: there you go fifth installment of the purge franchise is still scheduled for july 10th of 2020 release according to bloody the fur forever purge is currently being prepped by jason blum of course that's probably gonna make some money filming wrapped before the coronavirus shutdown production but remains to be seen whether it will be out for the july release since the majority of movie theaters might not yet be open at that time did you enjoy any of the purges
0: you know, I, I've i only seen the first one and then a little bit of the show just by being in the same room as somebody who wanted to watch it. And um, the first movie, I would say, uh, is inc- like it, the thing about those movies is it's got a really cool premise, but just not a whole lot
1: else. Um, that first movie really didn't do it for me. So I saw a couple of the episodes. We of the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, as far as the show, I, I thought it was pretty decent. I, the way it's condensed, it you don't have that hour and 30 minutes of just, you know going off into different directions you know yeah I mean?
0: it's a little more tight which is appreciated for something that's uh played so loosely i would say yeah, plot. Sure. yeah
1: well that's about it for horror movie news and here's andy's chainsaw synopsis you might think the person that holds fake auditions for lead actress he's actually looking for a wife is the person who would be the psycho in a movie but in takashi miike's movie a person who who does that ends up being the victim of his own messed up attempt at catfishing. Okay, we're going to be talking about the 1999 director Takashi Miike's movie Audition. This is your spoiler alert. We'll be talking about the movie in its entirety. Uh, if you have not seen the movie, you want to watch it on Shudder, pause the podcast and uh, go watch this movie and come back to find out what we had to say. So Eddie, what did you think of this movie? I've been a longtime fan of this movie. It's probably the
0: sixth or seventh time I've watched it, to be honest. Um, when it first, uh, it was it was for me something I discovered on like one of the many, you know, here's uh, some foreign films you have to check out for horror fans. Um, I found it through through some alleyway of that, and I I really love it. I think that it's deceptive and it's rich in terms of. Um, you know, what you can extract from it plot wise. And like, there's a lot of like, potential metaphors. And it's also on top of that, a really grisly affair that really satisfies some really
1: messed up part of the the ego. So I, I like it a lot. Yeah. So do I. I, I found that cause I hadn't seen it probably for four years. And this is my third time watching it. Cause I watched it again last night and I just, I, I found the way the first two thirds of the movie Was I guess the first two times I watched it, I didn't get that much enjoyment out of it, but I love the way it wrapped up. But this time it's like, like everything kind of pieced together for me. And I I just, I love the way it kicked off of of just this tragic story. You know, obviously the movie starts off with uh, you're in a hospital setting. Uh, We meet our main character Oyama, which is the dad and he's in a hospital room. His wife is dying. She passes away. Their son, um, I, I don't know how to say it, Sh- Shihiko, uh, walks in with this paper mache, get well soon, mom. And it's just that like they have this moment and you're like, wait, this is not a horror movie. This is not a Takashi Mike, because obviously Ichi the killer is like yeah. ultra violent.
0: Yeah, this is a it's it's deceptive in the way it frames everything, and it, this was originally a book I found out today actually, um, and so it's following sort of a, a guideline, and it's I would say that he's Takashi Mai or Takashi Maike uh, is is actually pretty skilled at adapting this. One. I mean, obviously, because he's. He's got that grisly stuff down, but he also like showcases his ability for subtlety in this first half of the movie, um, and it does some really, really nifty things that um, lead you into a false sense of security throughout. I, I think it's actually like a match made in heaven, as it turned out.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I, it was kind of brilliant the way he just he built these characters and, and built the story, you know, around this dad, and then all of a sudden this mysterious woman who who he's enthralled by later in the mm-hmm. movie just. You you know, by, by reading her essay and and looking at her picture and it's just like, wow, you know, she's deep for a 24 year old woman. She's an old soul, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, she's, she's something, um, uh, we find out. Yeah. Like I, after we reviewed this on our own podcast on the street chilling podcast in like episode 20 something 205 or something yeah. and um afterwards you know we had a pretty good discussion where we were talking about like the subtext of this movie and w- what's going on because at the center of this movie the name audition comes from the idea that um what's his name Uh, shigeru um he and his buddy who's a movie producer put together this audition to basically try and find him a wife or as a subset of what they're trying to do for a movie and that whole that's sort of like the first blood in this movie you don't really think of it that way this the way that the first half of this movie is framed is that's almost like a hallmarkian like love story um it's it's like leading its way down a really like uh a really deceptive path where it's trying to treat itself tonally and as sort of a gimmicky romance. Um, but if you even push a little bit on the sides of that, you realize, no, this is the central thing, is this guy is really doing something awful, and then he ends up paying for it. He's, he's essentially like trying girls out to be his wife, which, I mean that's that's just twisted in its own way obviously not as twisted as removing limbs but you know it it kind of it has a little bit of a parable vibe to it so i yeah. ended up looking up a lot of like information a lot of like critical analysis of this movie and um there's some really interesting takes on this and what's interesting even more interesting is that Consistency doesn't really exist among them. Like, there's some things that are consistent, but there's so many ways you can interpret this movie um, that people have literally diametrically opposed opinions about what it's really about. I think it's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, whatever else you have, I mean, throw in there. I mean, for me, the, and you were talking about it is uh, uh, what is it? Yoshikawa and Oyama have this conversation in the bar, kind of towards the beginning of the movie, and and and, and uh, Oyama says, "Hey, I want to get remarried." And I, I, I don't, I guess I don't understand Japanese culture, but there was there was a conversation. Oh, well, are you going to have an arranged marriage? And he ends up saying, "Well, no, I want a professional woman that has um, accomplishments."
0: Right, and that of course, and he says somebody sort of his contemporary, or it seems to imply that, but that's not who he goes for. He goes for somebody who's clearly like young enough to be his dating his son. That's even commented on in the movie, who's uh, seventeen years old. So I mean, this is this is uh, on some level it's pretty easy to see that that this character is uh, sort of taking what like what we sort of presume men find attractive about women and sort of making a comment on that you could you can make that argument i think pretty easily and i think a lot of western audiences do they see this as okay so this here's a guy who you know he talks and makes a lot of lip service about oh i want somebody for love somebody who's maybe a career person somebody's my contemporary but who he goes for is not that at all who he goes for is somebody young attractive docile obedient and at least in his mind and then it ends up obviously turning turning the tables on him once she like he makes some promises that he can't keep to a person who little known to him is damaged in a very very twisted way
1: And i, I don't know it was kind of weird for me and maybe i was tired last night is that that it keeps getting brought up that he's worn out his son mentions that oh you look worn out or when are you going to get a wife i almost got kind of a fight club feel to it because i mean later in the movie there's like this uh, th- th- there's an actual scene and then it goes back to that same scene, but there was something different set or it was a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so there's, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just felt that, that it had, you know, maybe it was him, maybe it was in his head of uh, the conversation that they had, or maybe she, he was so smitten by her that, you know, this is not what he re- recollected until at the end of the movie.
0: Well, yeah, there's definitely like a big scene of revelation for for our lead character when and it's sort of like exists in a and another dimension. It's it's like a, a fever dream that he's having while while medicated by uh, Ayama Ayami Ayami and um, Asami, whatever it is. Asami. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, so you have this sort of like sequence of, of events that can't have happened in reality featuring people as youthful Asami, adult Asami, Asami's uh, dance instructor who was abusive to her as a child and who oh, yeah. he met as an adult, as a you know, really twisted adult um, and a bunch of other people that just don't coexist. Like his, his son's girlfriend is there and like tries to give him a, a BJ and stuff like he's having this really twisted amalgam of all the things that we as an audience have seen that even he as a character might not be privy to. Like he doesn't know what this woman's apartment looks like. And yet a lot of that scene takes place within the apartment just to sort of dump on us his, at least emotional revelation that, Okay, all of these things that we saw in the first half have an entirely new context now. All of these things that I wrote off as, oh, she's slightly damaged, that I could be helpful to her, so I have a value to her to like those sort of like romanticized feelings, they were actually uh, totally misplaced in somebody who can't love in the way that this guy wants love. He can she can only love by way of torture
1: and violence <laughs> well exactly exactly right because she brings up a there's a line in there that is uh what was it pain is more is more real than than feelings or so, or something like that she says that at the end of pain the movie doesn't lie she says I yeah think. that's right like, that's right
0: and uh Take, Maike. i cannot say names i swear um the director uh Had this quote, which I found and I thought was pretty prescient. He said um, his interpretation is that quote her love became obsession. She thought love and torture were the same thing. That's how I see it. So that's what Miike says, and I I mean it's pretty clear to me that this is a person who's been damaged. um, Some would say by you know like twisted adult males or by you know just just a twisted individual. However you want to look at it, she's been broken psychologically, and that's how she understands. Inner relationships, uh, what what a loving relationship is. So this is her way of sort of commandeering the love that she was promised from this guy, who really just wanted a wife who would be docile and cook for him. <laughs>
1: yeah for sure well let's uh, let's just break this down so we uh we did talk about the hospital scene Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll go seven years ahead oyama and his son are fishing they head home they have this interesting conversation about the bream fish that they catch that they're eating that Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a hermaphrodite and it becomes a male or a female i just thought that was weird and i thought the shot in this or the the entire scene where it's behind oyama Mm -hmm. uh it, it, it was interesting to me of why they did that uh i you know i I don't get why you didn't get to see his face the whole time, but you see the son and, you know, he, he brings up for the first time. He's like, Hey, when are you going to remarry? And yeah. he's, he's like, I don't know. I'm not writing it yeah. yet or something like that. Yeah. He has been, you
0: know, in a holding pattern since his wife died. And I guess, I mean, yeah, I think that the movie does a lot. I mean, more, more than most movies, it goes the extra mile to sort of put you in his shoes. I think that might have something to do with why we're looking at his son. And when he's discussing things with people, there's a lot of, close up action on who he's speaking to, uh, more so than I would say he gets in the first portion of the film until we start to get into the story a little bit. Because you're supposed to be seeing it from his point of view. You're supposed to be like lulled into this sense that oh, this is just a really dumb, uh, romantic uh, story that's going on. I wonder what's going to happen. It seems like maybe she'll find out he's lying and then they'll get together in the end when he does something romantic. That's the way this movie would have played out if it was the stock standard movie that it is sort of cosplaying at from the beginning. But of course it doesn't do that. It subverts that entirely.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, It throws it all out of whack. Um, so Ayama has an interaction with his assistant. You get this vibe that she has a lot of feelings for him, which you find out what they did later. They ended up having an affair or a one-time affair, I think. And, um, yeah, she, she says, or she makes it a point, I'm getting married. You don't know him. She's standing by the uh, elevator because he ends up leaving. This is where he goes to have drinks with Yoshikawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the recession or whatever. And then they bring up... Uh, Marriage, or, right. or uh, Oyama brings up, yeah, I want to get married. I want somebody with accomplishments, but you're right. He ends up wanting something, somebody that's subservient to him, and and okay, you're going to be a good wife,
0: right? He's, I mean, it's it's using, you know the traditional lines of what you would assume a man would want uh, based on whatever you know the hierarchy structure of, of Japan is and it's pretty similar here uh, or at least what has been in the past where it's like okay I want a woman who is a great cook who can maybe do some cool things professionally but she doesn't have to be a leading actress we're not going to get the leading actress you want to find somebody who's really talented but not talented enough to actually do anything with herself so she's dependent on you <laughs> like things yeah. like that are going on um, sort of s- subtexty obviously because it's seems like again they're they're trying to pretend like this is this is a perfectly normal thing to do it's a little skeevy but you know it's fine to you know bamboozle (laughs) loads of women just so you can sleep with one of them
1: (laughs) well yeah exactly and then uh yeah actually oyama is checking out these pictures and these essays uh actually finds the one of osama's uh he reads the whole thing she dedicated her life to ballet for 12 years she hurt her hip she couldn't do it uh she wanted to die but Something kept her alive, like that pain kept her alive. So as you were mentioning before, you know, she associates pain with love and and life. And that's what she did. I mean, she couldn't dance anymore because she had mentioned in one of the conversations is that that all that pain that I had was all just went away when I was dancing. Yeah. yeah. What was going on around her?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's different things people do to cope. And I guess that was hers. And, it, and the way it's presented is, I mean, with with great intention on her part, obviously, it's presented as sort of like, well, this is, you know, this is how this is who I am. This is my vulnerability and showing a vulnerable side, like vulnerability is what he's looking for partially out of a woman in this in this regard. So that appeals to him, even though it's kind of also like childlike and in. in in grammar and not grammar. I guess it's tough to say cause it's translated, but it seems almost like a childlike perspective that she has on some things, but she's talking about things that, you know, everybody has hardships or whatever. And in his mind, it's like, Oh, so I can help this person overcome them. But he has no idea the extent of her damage, this extent of the things that were done to her. And de fact, and, and by virtue of that has no idea what he's in for when he actually invites her across
1: the threshold of his life. <laughs> So. that's exactly right but he also says to her at one point that hey you know uh, if you hold on life will get beautiful for you saying that he you know he's the knight in shining armor that will be right. able to bring bring her that way you know
0: yeah exactly uh, he wants to save her and you know he does no idea that that's it's
1: well past that time for her for sure all right well let's get into the audition part of it um oyama does make a point to say i, I feel like a criminal so he knows this is wrong he knows this is not the way to go about it um, i thought the odd, like the musical choice on this was very strange it was almost like a 60s sitcom type music
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly again it's that's that they're they're playing it as an entirely different kind of film to lull you into like we'll go you to sleep and make you think okay well this hallmark movie is still going until such a moment as you see well we'll get there but i keep jumping ahead because it's it's so integrated and once you like see it so many times it's so one part informs the other so
1: well in this movie yeah for sure and, and but i mean you had like you had this uh the yoki uh yoshikawa he was asking all the questions and he's asking all these inappropriate questions mm-hmm. what's your Least favorite kind of man? Do, would you have marriage less sex? Would you do this? Would, would you be comfortable doing a nude scene? And you know, you, you had one girl that was like, Well, these are my scars for, from the first time I went to the uh, psychiatric ward, and I've been six times since or whatever. Some girl takes her top off. You got a girl twirling a baton. Uh, you know, one of the Japanese geishas are doing one of their dance. I like to me, this was kind of like, Okay, this is like the little pause of, All right, here's a. You don't know which direction it's going if you've never seen this movie. So, uh, like right. for me, that it, it, it was fine. I mean, yeah. it, it, it went on a little long.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think like for, for my <laughs> rapid sensibilities, I think this was uh, a little like a lot of movies or anything that's over an hour and a half is sort of already getting side eye for me because I'm an impatient man. But um, that was you know, that notwithstanding, I thought that scene was really effective and just. Making you think, okay, this feels like I'm watching like something on e-television late at night or something. This doesn't feel like a horror movie at all. If you don't know it's a horror movie at that point, you would have no idea what's coming down the pike at you so no, I think that's really brilliant and like it may have lasted a little bit longer but I also like that they took the time to show all these different women who are there under false pre- like all these women that he is basically wronging knowingly wronging them um, and mm-hmm. it's not the first time like you said uh, his secretary he we find out he had a one night stand with her and clearly she was hung up on it because she saw fit to emotionally tell him about her upcoming marriage and things like that so this is a guy who's like ostensibly not a bad guy but he he does some pretty terrible things and he does them with with knowledge that it's terrible to do them
1: i wonder if he was pushed that way from his son though because it was it was pretty insistent on why don't you get married again and you know that's that kind of what sets it seems to me that's what sets the it sets in, in motion to find a new wife or find a new partner whatever that's true.
0: I don't think it sounds like pushing him. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what his son would think about his little scheme. He's 17 years old, so maybe it's oh, sure. rad, but, um, <laughs> for, for his part, I think he's just like, look, you know, you're, you're, you're getting a little older, but you know, you don't want to die alone. So I want my dad to be, find somebody. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it definitely does kick off his brain kicks off, uh, uh, the the like the thought process of okay well how would i even do that all the women i run across are stuck up or whatever which is a very like you know like very uh, uh I don't know, misogynist point of view. I think where it's like, yeah, anybody who doesn't like me is stuck up. That's the issue.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 th- I think a little bit of that, yeah. but they also somebody had brought up, and I forgot who said it, is that you know you got stuck into your own mind after your wife passed away. but you also mm-hmm. build up built up your company to where you know it's it's hugely successful. You know, obviously the guy lives in a nice house and he's always going out to dinner and, and, and can afford these nice things. So he put himself in this position to. you know just bury his pain maybe or 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 deal with his grief in a certain way as far as you know becoming more successful at his job and obviously there's still some love for his son but you know something where it's like okay well maybe it's i need something easy like that somebody i can take care of and is going to be dependent on me
0: right yeah and he, he he does want somebody like from the outset i think it is true that he wants somebody that's uh he wants somebody that that's professional, that he can is a contemporary, that he can, you know like the idea is that you grow old with somebody, you're getting older, you want somebody to grow old with you, that's typically like the line, but you know, when given the option of you know, basically a proto-tender worth of women to go through <laughs> what do you think he's attracted to? The docile, childlike whimsies of a a ballerina who is also happens to be beautiful and almost his son's age he says, I
1: don't know, there's some weird juju going on there (laughs) there was it it, it was a little uncomfortable plus the fact uh she comes in um like oyama didn't ask any questions of these women like because he knows it's wrong but there was something that he was so asphyxiated with her that he he didn't even ask her questions he just said you know i read your essay and it just meant a lot to me and i understand and wow that's great and then he was done he was like okay that that's her
0: Kind of locked in, right? And I think that's because, again, he was show, she was showing vulnerability, which is really important to him as somebody who feels like he has experienced I and mean, clearly has experienced some trauma in the form of his wife passing away prematurely, and having to raise a son on his own. Like, so he he sees that as okay. I have a kindred spirit here, somebody who's gone through hard times as well. But um, she doesn't have anything to fall back on. I'm getting older. This is a perfect match. Like, I think that's part of what was going on for him, and in like ostensibly, that seems like it makes sense. But the thing is, he doesn't really know who this person is,
1: and that's what bites him. Well, then Yoshikawa says she makes him nervous and something's wrong with her.
0: Yeah, he tries to get warned by his friend, or his friend tries to warn him like immediately all together. yeah and he's like look we haven't been able to cross, like check her references correctly like none of this stuff is seems to be true you don't actually know anything about her but at that point he's already like no no I know enough I know that she's you know got all these qualities that I was looking for I know that I've been kind of smitten from the get-go and it's going to take more than not knowing anything for me to stop feeling this about her and wanting to pursue it, so he does,
1: which was hilarious to me because later uh, he ends up calling Asami and you know having this nice conversation, and say, "Hey, let's meet up for lunch." Um, he gets a call immediately from uh, Yoshikawa saying, "Listen, we, she's no part of this." Uh, I, I guess it was a record label, uh, like a record executive that was her representative. Yeah,
0: that, yeah, something
1: like that. He was he had disappeared like 16 months ago and there's no record of her ever working here, but then go ahead.
0: Oh no, no, I'm listening.
1: <laughs> okay. No, that, there was no record of her being there. And it was just kind of weird that all of a sudden this record executive had disappeared 16 months ago, mm-hmm. but they couldn't check anything out. But you know, again, Oyama is fine. He, and he takes her out to to lunch late uh, that next day. She admits like right off the bat, Hey, I lied about working at the record label, um that they're having a great time we're just going to sit here and enjoy a meal and have a conversation they have a fantastic time they want to do it again Mm -hmm. and this love starts to build that's right
0: and you know it's it's fascinating that you find out like not too long after that like he's he's not completely uninterested in her background he just doesn't it's almost like a protective thing where he's like okay this is the vulnerable person remember so i can't you know, I'm not going to press her to tell me more than she needs. To, she wants to tell me, but she tells him a little bit more than you know he might. Ex- you might expect from somebody on a first date or a second date, but. Um, you know, there's a lot that she doesn't reveal, and that's the thing. Is like the depth of her drama is so much that he, he he has no way of guessing that, and so he thinks he's got the upper hand. He thinks, okay, she's vulnerable, and you know, if she comes at me, then I'll just get out of it. I'll just get out of it. It's fine. I'll I'll keep trying to figure out what what her past is like based on what she says to me, and by going out and doing a little sleuthing, trying to find this record executive and things like that. But for, I feel like i have got a good handle on it, and he
1: does not. He does not have a good handle on. It. <laughs> he really doesn't. <laughs> You find that at the very, uh, okay. So I'm going to jump way to, they have a conversation cause they go out a couple of times and I kind of like the way the uh, editing was done on this because they were, I guess it was just like a, the probably a bar, a really nice looking bar. Cause they were having a beer and having this conversation and, uh, um, asami was talking about her family's just normal it's kind of neutral we don't talk we don't bicker at each other you know but there's just not a lot of conversation Mm -hmm. but then when it goes to when he's drugged we'll get more into this but i I just kind of want to know what you think of it's a completely different conversation no my dad abused me he pushed me down the stairs i broke my arm i went to go live with my mom she got remarried uh the scars disappeared but my stepdad hated me
0: Yeah. And that like I think that all goes right back to the idea of he's hearing what he wants to hear because he's already made the decision that he loves her on some level and that he wants to make this work, even though he doesn't have any information. And even though he's unwilling to listen to the information she's giving him and unwilling to see the red flags from his trusted associates, he's just put himself in this position by sheer force of will. Like he wants it, he wants it to be real. He wants it to be good. And that's on like on a certain level, that's what a relationship kind of starts as. The only problem is that he's done this sort of deceptively and he's about to find out just how dangerous that can be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. So the, um, let's see, uh, Yama tells his son that he has a girlfriend. um, they're they're going to be going out of town for the weekend they go to this uh, nice japanese resort uh she's outside just you know doing her stare psycho thing um (laughs) like they they he's so nervous or or whatever he's having this conversation well let's go to dinner or we could go to this gallery and then we can go to the coffee shop and she just She's quiet the whole time. She stands up, takes her clothes off, gets in bed, tells him to come over, look at her body, shows like scars. I had burned myself as a on her inner thigh, uh, burned myself as a kid. Uh, And then she like makes one of the most important statements. And this is this is where we're getting to is that love me and only me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's her that's her whole thing is she she needs singular focus from whoever she is, you know, in a relationship with um to an extreme
1: (laughs) do you think she yeah do you think she knows his background or she finds out and that's why she does what she does later
0: um like to what extent to the the torture i mean like i think that
1: that's the fact that he was married previous that he has a son and obviously that she sets him up for a lie because she can't or he can't only love her because he has a son who he loves
0: I think that, like, in her mind – I mean, we've already talked a little bit about, like, in her mind, clearly what love is is intertwined with not just sex but extreme violence. And, you know, when – she doesn't necessarily know these things about him, but what she does find out, like, she's like, okay, that's fine that you had that, but now – you're going to belong to me, only me, but he doesn't hear it that way. He hears it as, well, I need you to love me. I need you to be the person there for me always. And like, he expects it to be the result of the romantic comedy that we saw, or not romantic comedy, romantic movie that we saw in the first half of the movie. He's expecting that result, but he has no idea that there's another X factor in there, which is that she is also being deceitful and on a scale that is much larger. So I, I think that's interesting.
1: He did not take it literally for sure
0: because she
1: ends up disappearing. And this is where uh, he goes over to the uh, old dance studios, ends up finding this uh, old guy in a wheelchair playing the piano. As you do. Uh, As you do. It's all boarded up. It looks like it's been shut down for many years. This guy comes rolling up uh, to Oyama uh, asking about. Asami uh, asking very inappropriate questions. Have you, mm-hmm. you know, have you smelled her? Have you done? And obviously <laughs> he's having these flashbacks. Uh, Oyama is having these flashbacks of her as a eight year old, seven year old little girl, you know, mm-hmm. in this dance studio. And this guy creeping up on her, he's the one that gave her the burns. And obviously she was abused um, physically and sexually by this guy. So, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a prince cooter. That's for sure. <laughs> yes he is uh let's see here uh you see that and then uh, then he goes to the bar and this is this is where i think the big turn was when she left when she disappeared you know this is when the movie became a horror movie because you know you meet this guy she goes to the bar which is called the stonefish it had been closed down for a year maybe 16 months Uh, the owner was murdered Uh, This is kind of an info dump right here because one of the neighbors at top says, well, yeah, it's been closed down for over a year now. And they found extra body parts, three fingers, a tongue and an ear. And yep. uh, the bar bar owner disappeared, or she died, and her boyfriend, uh, the record label guy, disappeared, and he was missing right. for about the same amount of time. And we get
0: an amazing, like one of the first, like really graphic shots, which is of a tongue flopping around like a fish on the ground with all yeah, just in blah, blah, the blah. blood, which is like the way that uh, Miike like jumps his jump cuts so often. I really like it. It, That can really backfire on a director. But I think in this case, especially it's just such a, I don't know, it happens at really unexpected times and then it'll jump forward and back and in like, I I love it. And I think that is one of the ones I love the most because it is one of the first real visceral based
1: scares that you
0: get in the movie.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I thought the first time when the bag rolled over, I kind of jumped on that one when when he first called her back. Yeah, that's that's the 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 (laughs) flashpoint for sure. Yeah, I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is horror. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, see, and then like when he saw that tongue, the guy that was giving him all the information was saying, yeah, weird things happen around here. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like he had seen it or something, too.
0: My my understanding of that is that he like that whole situation is that uh, whoever the owner of the bar was who was dating this record guy, um, that was. That was the real girlfriend, and uh, Asami was the side piece. uh, But she doesn't do side piece, so she got hers, shall
1: we say. Um, Interesting. I I think that's my understanding. Yeah. All right. I like that. Okay. That makes a little more sense of why she did what she did here in just a little bit and why the owner was killed. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Oyama goes home. Son's at the friend's house. It takes a drink and then all of a sudden he starts acting really weird, like like his drink is drug or it's drugged, obviously. So uh, he flashes back to their first conversation. This is one that we talked about before where they were sitting in the bar and talking about the parents where dad was actually abusive lived with the mom. The stepdad hated her. Uh, they go to like to, almost like scene by scene where, where they go to the, the restaurant where it fades into the restaurant. But then he sees his ex-wife. That's his ex-wife or not ex-wife. Yeah. That's his, uh, his dead his wife. The deceased
0: wife. Yeah. 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 That says. And his you know, the, his son's girlfriend and his I think his son at the time that his wife passed.
1: That's right. And oh, and uh, And the wife says, you know, stop seeing her or, or warns her, warns him away from her.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's which this is that this scene is so interesting because I don't know, like in terms of the reality of the of the movie that we're in, like the the internal logic of the movie, I don't know how this exactly works. I know he's drugged and I feel like this is a flash, like a flash sideways or whatever. And he's getting some sort of, you know, (laughs) some sort of uh, otherworldly guide. (laughs) But it's a little late, I would say, because he's drugged in about to have some stuff happen. So I don't know, there's that go- all that going on and he's obviously jumping from location to location. It's very dreamlike. And it's like I said earlier, it's revealing places and people that he has never interacted with or revealing information that he's never had or that he blocked out from our previous experience. Like, for example, all that stuff about her family, like all these things, they recontextualize the stuff that happened. Then they also add to that and then they add even more in like this very dreamlike way. It's like a very layered sequence leading up to. The scene of the movie
1: <laughs> Yeah exactly well and like you said they jump From location to location they go to uh, Asami's apartment And then the bag Opens up well I know don't you see the The dance instructor And then the uh, the bag opens Up you're assuming that it's the record Label guy because he's missing three fingers He's missing an ear um, um, Tongue and his feet Are cut off yep. and,
0: oh, and he's this... eating
1: puke <laughs> The boy's eating puke. He's forced. That that scene scene made me so nauseous just watching that.
0: If you want to know, like, at least this is this is what I read on IMDb. So grain of salt. But uh, as IMDb trivia page says, that was actual puke by the actress that that person was eating because she is very method that was i'm going to have to look up the exact wording but it implied that oh she's a very she's a method actor so she actually puked and they actually ate puke and i have such a hard time believing that i don't know if it's just cuz i don't want to but uh <laughs> i have a hard time buying that like you know that's that there, there's method acting and then there's like being the marquis de sod like that's a little well, twisted <laughs>
1: well it really is because she did it off screen it's not like she did it right in front of the camera i mean she right. was like like to the back and you couldn't even see but then she brings out this bowl and it made me so nauseous just watching him lap it up in the sound i'm like uh, and you see corn in there you're like oh yeah come there's on. chunks there are chunks oh, there are uh, chunks
0: <laughs> I, I got i, I i'm going to Go to sleep praying that that was just uh, like, I don't know, milk and magnesia or something. <laughs> Not it
1: was probably, probably just some watered down gravy and they threw corn in there. That's all.
0: That's definitely what it was. No further <laughs> investigation required.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, pretty cool <laughs> scene. You get introduced to the uh, wire. And she says it for the first time that this wire cuts through bones so easily. So she cuts off the dance instructor's head, which, again, I mean, is this a real scene or is this a dream sequence or whatever? But he gets his head cut off um, and then we get to the scene.
0: <laughs> then we get to the scene. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of the bag rolling for the first time, which you mentioned before and is absolutely like. That's the first thing that pops into my head because that's the most shocking thing that happens through the whole movie when you're not prepared for it. But Mm -hmm. this is the scene that people talk about. This is the scene because it's so visceral. So like you said, he's passed out on the floor and Asami comes up to him and starts getting all Dextered out in her long long apron and, and gloves and stuff. And she explains to him that he's paralyzed but can feel anything and everything. Using well, some drugs,
1: sensi- he's more sensitive to pain now. Oh, is he more sensitive? Did she say that? He, yeah, she did. She said okay, you're, missed- you're you're paralyzed and you're more sensitive to pain now. So sweet,
0: awesome. Uh, that <laughs> that drug, thankfully, does not exist. It was invented for this movie. I read that as well. So Good. sleep easy. Um, but yeah, the uh, he, she then starts sticking little needles into him, saying what can only be the catchphrase of the
1: movie, right? Meow, meow now it's like deeper kitty, deeper kitty kitty, kitty 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 oh that's it that's kitty yeah. kitty kitty
0: <laughs> at least it sounds like kitty kitty to my western ears but um i don't know what the actual word is but it means it, she's saying deeper 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 as she sticks these not insignificant size pins into this man's body and he writhes in agony um uh, yeah.
1: like like acupuncture pins like, and those things are tiny and small but these things are like i don't know got to be at least five inches long and <laughs> she's throwing them into this guy right into his abdomen
0: Oh yeah, and then beyond she starts heading up up upwards climbing on top of the already inserted pins. Did that not she, make you
1: cringe? I mean like like when she dragged her thing. body, yeah, she dragged her body against these pins that are already stuck in him and he's feeling all this pain. Yeah. It's
0: uh that that is like a little thing that it is so it's such a smart inclusion because it it costs nothing extra, but it it's like everybody's had blood drawn before and had it go in sideways or go in the wrong way or something, or at least I have. And so that's all I can think about. I was like, oh, my God, I can't I can't look at this. This is insane. Uh, and then it gets
1: even worse because she starts yeah. needling his eyeballs. <laughs> and is she, is she actually putting it in his eyes or like keeping his eyelids open? Like, like, I think so it's
0: I, th- I you know I, I mean it definitely does have that effect I'm not sure what the intention was for her But it was uh, I think the pain was the intention So she got that and she's monologuing This whole time too right like you said yeah. She's talking about how pain doesn't lie Words always lie pain never lies You can really see the form of somebody When they're in pain and It's like
1: this is what Love is for this really twisted Person <laughs> and You know, And the, the scariest thing about it is that she is so Calm Oh yeah, she, she 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 does not escalate. She doesn't get angry. She's just very calm, she's like calm this. And thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's like you said, you know, she she balances pain or love and pain are the same thing. So this to her is is like i I, I don't know euphoria, maybe. <laughs> it's
0: it's hurt, like the way that he said to her, Oh, well, you know, like they tried to be her white knight and say like, well, time will get you past that. And also this is kind of in my mind, her version of that. This is her like saying like, oh, see, all you need is pain instead of all you need is, you know, time. Her answer to trauma is inflicting more pain on somebody you care about. And so I don't know. I, there's a lot of ways to look at that, I guess. But it, that really stuck out. stood out to me is like this person really thinks she's helping him while talking about murdering his son like that's what she thinks is
1: help <laughs> well yeah and she says that it's like you will be in more pain if i hurt your son and then uh <laughs> then we get down to the feet so she pulls out the wire thing again yeah and she once again mentions oh this cuts through bones so easy and then you see saw 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 boom foot and then, pump, <laughs> <laughs> and, then and yeah she she get out of my way she throws it against the window which made me laugh a little bit <laughs> uh, she starts on the next foot and then the sun comes home and yeah she, which she, is she, terrifying <laughs> yeah she 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 skedaddles uh you don't know where she went and she's coming up behind the sun and di- it, then it cuts to another dream sequence right mm-hmm. of where they're in bed at that at that getaway um But he wakes up like like checking his feet because he's thinking that, oh, he he thought it was a dream, which is not a dream. It's really happening. He's checking his feet and she's actually still in bed because when he remembered it before she had left, she had disappeared. Right. So uh, she gets to be what actually happened. And then this is this is
0: him like like internalizing in my mind. This is him being like, okay, time to go into escape mode. And he just brain just goes into an alternate reality for a minute. Oh,
1: okay. I see. Yeah,
0: were, we're a little bit uh, more what he imagined them to be in the first place, more romantic and not less grisly.
1: <laughs> right. So so he, he uh, puts water on his face. Uh, she asks if he's OK, He goes back to bed and she accepts his proposal because he had planned on uh, proposing to uh, her at this. And she she accepts it. And then we cut back to the house. And the yeah. son's looking at the dad. She's right behind him. And what was it? Is that like a mace or something like that that she had? I couldn't I can never really tell, to be honest. <laughs> I have a hard it's a time spritzer. It's... It, it, it was like it wasn't a real mace. Day. It was like like a cologne bottle or something like that. Yeah, I do It's very fashionable. It's a fashionable mace. So the son runs up the stairs spraying the kid he kicks her. Bam. She hits the floor. This is the best neck break I've ever seen. The way her neck was you know, her spinal looks, column. Very,
0: very real to me. Like at least the resu- end result because you don't actually like watch it break like you'll see in other movies, which is its own visceral thing. But the result is so convincing because it pulsates and mm-hmm. like, like her like her blood is struggling to get to her brain or something. Like
1: it's horrifying. It's horrifying. It's, it's, it's crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing it, it's hard to forget um yeah so uh, he has uh his son call the cops and then she starts repeating what she said at the beginning of the movie of you know uh i was so happy and or you make me happy you make me feel special and she's saying this as she's dying and then we go to black did yeah. we miss anything <laughs>
0: I don't think so, except they killed the dog, which is, of course, oh. you know, crime number one on the yes. list of crime. Yes,
1: Plus, it was a beagle. I mean. Yeah, was, I mean, I how are you be- going to hate a beagle? What's going on? Snoopy's a beagle.
0: Come you, on. What, oh, man. I'm having some really weird... Uh, uh, like Robot Chicken-style parody ideas now. Oh, um, boy. we can move forward. <laughs> All right, for sure. All
1: right, well, uh, that was it. Uh, okay, so we do what you guys do. Uh, out of five, how are you feeling about audition? You know, I don't remember what I gave it on our
0: podcast, but, like, every time I watch this, it's, it's constantly renewing itself as a classic in my mind. I think, like, this movie sort of led to a lot of movies that were less so, I would say, because it kind of at least to Western audiences sort of like welcome ushered in a little bit of that torture porn, like violence without purpose, which is not what this movie is. So I don't want to hold it against that, but I did want to bring that up as sort of a negative effect of this movie. But overall, I like, I love talking about this movie. I love watching it. And I love sort of like uh, everything is explained just enough and just too little for it to be set in stone whatever interpretation you have it bouncing around in your mind on that day watching it I get a lot more out of it pretty much every time I watch it every time I have a conversation about it and that's the mark of a, a great film I mean in my mind and I would think most people's mind that that's clearly a mark of a great film. It looks great. Um, it's shot really interestingly like the like I said the smash cuts in this movie are really effective and they they for the most part they disorient. Strategically, which is really hard to do, um, I, I think I'm going
1: to give it a 4.5. Very nice. Yeah, I to me it it's got a vibe, or, or maybe it's set an emotion. Uh, the because I know you guys just recently did uh, High Tension. Mm-hmm. It kind of it kind of has that feel, or or the beginning of what the French the new French extremity movies are. Because mm-hmm. I kind of I get that vibe, especially at the end of the movie. Um, I think this this movie, you know, is influential or should be more influential. What horror is doing nowadays. I mean, you guys you got guys like Robert Eggers, you got guys like uh, Ari Aster just doing something completely different. But if if horror went in this kind of direction where it's, you know, it kind of throws all different things at you. But but in a, you know, cohesive way, I think, you know, this movie could be more influential, especially nowadays for you know all these remakes and reboots or whatever that you know set horror into the 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 future of something great. Um I'm gonna sit at a four. Um nice. You know, before I had seen it, I was like three, three and a half, but you know, seeing this and and the discussion kind of just it, it brought me up of like, you know, you're right. This this movie is a classic. I would recommend it to anybody I mean, you may have with the stomach, a, <laughs> it, it doesn't even have to be the strongest st- stomach, but mm-hmm. you definitely have to have the stomach for it. But it, it definitely is a classic. Yeah, I
0: think so. It's it's it's, it's like you said, it, it, it it's so influential and so revered, but there's still not a ton of movies doing this right now, at least not in major from major studios, it seems like where it's very stripped down. It doesn't take a lot to make this terrifying um you know it's mostly uh, scenes of people talking to each other with the occasional person in a sack or <laughs> the occasional foot removal um well, i it, mean I and
1: know. that's exactly right i mean it, it's the setup it's the story it's the character build of of everything that's going on and then it slaps you it or punches you directly in the gut with this end scene and you're just like what the hell just happened? And it was like, it was so satisfying. I mean, yeah. you, you, you cringe, but then it's just like. But everything is watching? earned. No, everything. no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. So definitely a solid watch. I, I yeah, Again, I would recommend it to anybody that's a horror movie fan. Have a little bit stronger of your stomach, but I think uh, I think you enjoy it. So what do you guys have coming up on Straight Chilling here in the next week?
0: you know that's a good question um i think oh my god i i always wait till the the zero hour to to find these things to figure out what i'm watching for the week and like watch it right beforehand (laughs) i'm terrible about that but um let's see we got i know we got rawhead rex i believe coming up next which i've never seen Uh, it's an 80s flick um in the b category i believe um let's see uh we got Alien coming up at some point, probably, assuming that our poll goes the way it's looking like right now. Uh, I think we have Ravenous at some point. We just finished our Blade trilogy, a three-part, or a three. Uh, uh,
1: tr- that took three me two and one and half episode. days. Yeah, it took me two and a half days to finish.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I honestly could not believe... That we didn't go longer because it was just a it was just the marathon of podcasts. So if you want something a little shorter, don't go to that.
1: <laughs> um, no, you should listen to it. Give yourself some time because all your guys' shows are great.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I think let's see. The Orphanage is coming up at some point. I believe the Girl with the Gifts, the Girl with all the gifts, excuse me. And uh, yeah, I th- probably a few more that I, I just can't recall at this moment.
1: Well, go check out. Uh, Andy at StraightChillingPodcast.com or you can find them on uh, YouTube or anywhere you find your uh, um, podcast. At um, my, my
0: well, our, yeah. our podcast email is actually straightchillingpodcast at Gmail. Okay. Yeah, and then straight. Yeah street chilling podcast hard g in there people
1: hard hard g exactly uh what we have coming up next week in fact uh we're gonna have bob on with us next week oh that jerk (laughs) he didn't even tell me he did we're having him on a special guest because we get to review the uh wonderful i'm so looking forward to this um glenn danzig's first movie uh (laughs)
0: Gods, godspeed to you all i have not i have not mustered the courage
1: uh andy actually bought the uh the 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 blu-ray so uh, it's not mine i'm gonna give it right back to him and uh, we'll do the review uh next friday but uh andy i I gotta say thank you so much again for stepping up i know it was last minute but i really appreciate you coming on co-hosting uh this show with me and don't forget to check out straight chilling podcast wherever you get your podcasts andy have an awesome weekend man
0: you too. Thanks very much. And uh feel better Andy. Other uh, Andy. Original uh, Andy. <laughs> original. There you go.